0: You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. This is a special episode in that it is our Critical Mass nonprofit radio show, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. This talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m., and Thursdays at our special time, 3 p.m. All of our programs can be heard exclusively here on Orange County Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to our show in the future as a podcast, we do encourage you to consider listening to our show live during our broadcast times here on the radio station. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and Smart Stop Self Storage. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs and business owners, to make better and more informed decisions by listening to the experiences and shared ideas of our guests. Our guest today, we have a featured guest today, Quentin Wilson, who is President and CEO of Career and College Clubs. I've asked Quentin to join the show to discuss the benefits of reaching children in middle school years and preparing them for success in life Career and College Clubs is working to solve the high dropout rate and the lack of life and leadership skills among youth by engaging at risk middle school students in a peer to peer learning environment and for those of you that are in our loyal listening audience who've been with our show for the five years that we've been broadcasting you know that peer-to-peer learning is at the core of why we continue to broadcast this radio show so i'm really excited to have you here in the studio today quentin welcome to critical mass radio show thank you rick appreciate the opportunity it's a pleasure let's start by asking a little bit about you Talk to us about your background and and what have you done in your career up to this point, and then we're going to talk about your organization and ask some questions about that.
2: Well, it's a split personality. I have two phases of my career. One was in economic development and job creation, and came to realize that the most important force for job creation is education beyond high school. And then I ended up being the commissioner of higher education for a state and getting into education. And then I real we started looking at where we can have the biggest impact, and and and, and uh, all management corporation, which was a sponsor of career and college clubs, uh, was willing to make a commitment a long term, very valuable commitment to us to try to develop a program to really find out and, and intervene at the place that education has the biggest opportunity for improvement.
1: So we're going to talk about how you selected middle school. We've got a range of questions here that I want to get to with you today during our interview. Uh, I'd like to start by asking if you could explain your organization in a little more detail, so members of our audience who are business owners and executives who may not be familiar with it. Can you give us a little background on it? Well, our organization also has two major parts. We have a financial part.
2: We manage uh, over a billion dollars in student loans uh, from the FELP program, so we're working with Wall Street and investment bankers and, and law firms throughout the country to try to make the manage that as, as well as we can to try to preserve the value of that asset. We're trying to use the proceeds of, that, of that, those earnings and what we develop to try to give back, to try to reinvest in the education programs. And now that we're not doing loans and that has really been taken over by the federal government, mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out how to have the biggest impact we can with the resources we have.
1: And how long have you been with career and college clubs? Give us
2: a sense for that. It's been over five years that that we've been plugging away and really deploying this. This was researched even earlier. The the way of taking a look at where this impact might happen, why we chose middle school, we can talk about more. But uh, we have been rolling it out into schools. It's been in as many as 200 schools, middle schools in California. And now we're looking at a way to try to make it sustainable. I'm sure your business audience will appreciate trying to make this not depend so much on the kindness of strangers on the government on even philanthropy we really want to show the schools that we're having such an impact on their students that they can't get with any other type of program that they're willing to sustain the program to support it financially themselves and that's pretty tough in an environment like this where there are lots of competing needs for the schools. So it's a tough marketing challenge, right. and even though we're a nonprofit organization, we've got to be as good a marketer as anybody else in the field.
1: Right, and the time of tighter budgets, and shrinking budgets, and the challenges. Uh, in the spirit of full disclosure, uh, my wife is a middle school school teacher. Okay. She teaches science uh, here in Orange County, California, and so I have a very strong connection to middle school students and how important uh, that phase of their life is, so I'm really excited on a bunch of levels, Quentin, to have you here Mm -hmm. in the studio today. (laughs) So, And I do, as I said, I believe the power of peer learning is underestimated. You know, we have a hierarchical vision of knowledge that it comes from the Oracle, whether they're on on the stage or they're at the front of the room or there's someone who has some level of differentiation from us that gives them the authority to tell us what we should know. And in my experience and in business and in life, some of the best lessons you learn, you learn vicariously by the experiences and the knowledge of the people that are in your same environment what i do for business owners is no different than what our parents told us growing up which is be careful who you hang around with right your peer Mm -hmm. group's going to have a lot of influence on you and i think in the learning area it's really powerful to have people at your level helping fill in gaps in your knowledge and you reciprocate and fill in gaps in their knowledge what a Fantastic way to learn. I don't want to take away what you're no, doing. this but is great. That, this I, is my position. That's on exactly
2: it. right. We really ha- we we have chosen or tried to recruit the most influential students at that middle school. Think about yourself in middle school, or well, do I have your friends? You have to. <laughs> Everybody has to. It's not my favorite time. That's a hard topic, yeah. but that's exactly why we chose it. It's not an easy time. It's not. You've had this nice skate of the first six years where you've you know teachers have been really nice and they you've know, got to learn. It's kind of low, a little bit lower pressure. Right. Then you have to start preparing for high school and college and career and, and that transition's tough besides dealing with puberty you're ending up with all kinds of issues on the plate that have to be dealt with and we can't know what's in the minds of a middle, I, I don't think my parents did uh, really know what was in the minds of me as a middle school student no. and I think that's the, the tough one plus these there's research to back up your philosophy and peer to peer learning there's good research that even though a lot of programs say and they're right that the parents play a key role the peers play a strangely overwhelming effect right. uh, and role on, on other students. And so we've, we select and train the, the influentials, not necessarily the best students, but the influential kids to take that message to the rest of the rest of their colleagues, classmates in school, and it's amazing
1: what an impact they can have. You, know, you were talking about research, and I, re- I remember one experiment that I read about which was trying to determine who has the most influence on a crowd and they they conducted a survey where an, an experiment where they had a group of people performing or dancing or doing something around and being watched by an audience and what they found was people who joined the and participated were most influenced by the early people from the crowd people like them who came out and danced on the floor figuring deducing that well if they can do it they're like me I can do it what a powerful And whenever I present to a group and I'm asking them to engage, I I let them know that I think... Somebody in the audience is more influential than I am, even though I'm the presenter with the knowledge and all this and the requirements to get them through the skills. If some of them don't participate with me, it's harder for me to get anybody to participate. That's, a, that's an excellent
2: point. We really didn't think it through even that much, but that's exactly the impact we've seen. And the research we've conducted, the evaluation, after the program has been up and running, totally confirms that impact. It's amazing. They're better at it than we are. That's why peer-to-peer is so effective. They don't need an old guy like myself going in there and saying, "Here's what you need to do, Sonny." <laughs> was your
1: age. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Without smartphones, they, smart they and need somebody
2: saying, "Oh, this is fun. No, this isn't. This isn't. You know, you're not being a stick in the mud right. and really encourage them to participate in that kind of activity at that age, as opposed to all the other choices they have that aren't
1: as helpful to them in the future." Right. I go to Amazon.com to buy a book, and I read the reviews. I like to read the professional reviews, the editor reviews, but I'm more swayed by the reader reviews. If I believe there are people like me who've read the book, and and I look for the, not only the ones that are bal- that love it, but the ones that have criticisms, because I think in those criticisms, I figure out if that's important to me or not. If someone didn't like something, and I look at that and go, well, that's not, ve- I don't care about that, well, then it actually makes me think the book the article or whatever is more appropriate for me so it, it doesn't always have to be a glowing response mm-hmm. it needs to be balanced then it's credible and you can make an informed decision that way and I, and I and so I'm just very excited here I'm kind of taking away a lot of your air time but I'm <laughs> That's I'm, great. Just saying, I'm just kicking I, back and enjoying I, I, the water <laughs> no I'm sorry but I, but I but I get what you're saying and I, and I I, I I um I'm glad to see that there's an organization like yours here in Southern California that's attempting to make that power available to middle school students because when I look at middle school, I think it is the most awkward time for many kids to, trans, as you said, to go from being a little kid to a high schooler. Those
2: are tough years. Well, I'm excited that you're seeing that. And really one of the toughest things we have to face in trying to replicate this program to other schools is a lot of the excitement happens at the student level the student interaction, and even the what we call the coach, the that one leader among the staff or the faculty at the school who's guiding the program, they're really not teaching it. They're guiding it. We we train the mentors, and we knew that would affect them. We knew it would help them. We were pretty confident, I should say, in that. Right. What we were surprised about is when we harnessed that power of them, not us, but them, it affected all the kids in that school. The ACT evaluation, I never, effect, I never expected that we would see so much impact on the entire class. I expected the mentors, the, the students that we were training to get that benefit to really feel rah-rah, but it affected everybody, it created the culture you're talking about, and in effect, everybody's dancing now.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. We're going to take our first commercial break. I'm speaking with Quentin Wilson. He is president and CEO of Career and College Clubs. We're going to be talking about his nonprofit organization. When we come back from the break, Quentin, I'm going to ask you if you can discuss some of the, in addition to what we've already talked about, some of the benefits of reaching kids at a young age and preparing them for success in life. Also, I'm curious about the value you've seen in this program after the five years of testing some of which we've touched on but I really want to give you the time to speak to that here with our audience so you're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show heard live on octalkradio.net we'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors Can we
0: talk about your family business? You know that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat and tears into? Well What happens when you retire, or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it will both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com.
2: Got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step So I smart stopped and took a minute to think I need a little better spot Not under the sink with
3: Smart Stop I leave the stress at the door Because it's the smarter way to store Smart Stop bucks the system Your first month's rent is just a buck Your next three months are half off Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station Goodbye clutter, hello
2: floors Smart Stop, the smarter way to store
1: Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show, broadcasting live from the -the state-of-the-art studios of octalkradio.net in the Tech Space facility in beautiful Costa Mesa, California. I'd like to thank those of you in our listening audience who choose to listen to the show as a podcast download from our podcasting site. You've downloaded over 13,000 copies of our program over the last 30 days, and we here at the radio program and the radio station really do appreciate your continued support. If you're listening to us live and you would like to listen to other shows via podcast, you can check us out at Stitcher.com, iTunes, as well as other podcasting services and our website, which is Critical M-A-S-S, 4, F-O-R, business.com. Tell some friends. Continue to expand our reach. If you're interested as a CEO and business owner of a smaller mid-market company in learning from the experiences of others, then Critical Mass Radio Show may be the place for you. Our focused and featured guest today is Quentin Wilson. I'm excited to have him on the program because his nonprofit, Career and College Clubs, of which he's the president and CEO, is doing some wonderful work at the middle school level. And before the break, Quentin, I said I was going to ask you to kind of share more of the benefits of reaching kids at this age and also the value that you've seen in the program after five years of testing. Can you give some background to that for our audience?
2: I think the best way to do that is to work my way back from from completing college because there are... About 3 million students graduate from high school ready to go on to college every year. But there are 43 million Americans who have some college but haven't finished. So we're seeing for every one that comes in, we're seeing 13 or 14 that have failed so it isn't just about access to college and plain people going to college it's how many are completing and when we, we we're trying to struggle with that because especially if you're talking about a student loan and there's a lot of talk about that these days right the biggest predictor of somebody defaulting on a student loan is them not finishing their program so he said first we want to get them to finish some program it doesn't have to be a four-year degree but a two-year degree a certificate something that's a job ready or career ready Activity, So we kind of backed up and said, well, why aren't they finishing? And it's not because of anything the college is doing, in our opinion. And the research backed us up. And it really wasn't something that happened in high school. It's not that they didn't learn about a college uh, visit that was happening, college night somewhere, or they didn't fill out the FAFSA, although that's an important factor. We kept going back, and and, and we did research with with students, with 7th, 9th, and 11th graders, asked them, why is this happening? What, what are you, why, what's changing your view? Because we found that between 7th and 9th grade, there was a big drop-off in plans to go to college. From 9th to 11th grade, there was no drop-off, but it stayed low. So if we lose these kids in middle school, they often stay lost. Some of them drop out. So the impact is, our, our impact was going to be, can we keep them on a college track through 9th grade? Because if they do that, we're confident they'll stay on that path in ninth grade if they're ready for ninth grade, meaning they've taken the academic, the life skills training and we, we're not academicians. we're not offering uh, algebra courses, but we're really offering the life skills. How do you what, what careers are out there? Why do you even want to work this hard mm-hmm. and to the seventh and eighth graders? And so if we can just get that one piece done so that by the end of eighth grade they're still planning on going to college instead of dropping off like we found before we were there. Right. That's going to be a success. When ACT looked at us and evaluated all the numbers, they looked at 1,200 students who had gone through the program or been at a school with this program. Only three of them were not planning to go to college out of 1,200. And this is very low. these are very low-income districts. Mm-hmm. We're talking about kids, like 75% and greater free and reduced lunch program participation, even in very poor schools. The kids the kids kept their confidence up. And I think it could work for any kind of school, obviously, but the fact that we didn't just pick the low-hanging fruit, we went after schools that are really having trouble getting kids,
1: keeping them psyched up for, for college and careers, we kept them in the game. I didn't think about it this way, and you're helping to enlighten me, and I appreciate that. And hopefully maybe the others in the audience already knew this, or maybe the connections are firing for them as well. But from what you're saying, it seems like it's those middle school years where kids make the children make the decision if they are college material or not, if, they're, if they have the ability to take the classes that will set them up for the college courses or if they're going to default to something else. So I kind of thought about that as in the high school area, but I, I can see how it's earlier than that. It really is. Well, it is, because by
2: taking your college course preparation uh, curriculum, you really it really starts in ninth grade. So if they're not ready by the end of eighth grade, not understanding why they could do it, that they are capable of doing it, that it isn't beyond their capabilities, they're just not going to do it. And And I think this probably even understates the actual drop-off that occurs in middle school. There are a lot of educators who probably have a lot more expertise to look at their individual situation and tell me whether their class is facing that. But it's we haven't found an audience that doesn't benefit from that. Uh, well-off school districts, low-income school districts, charter schools, even community-based organizations, don't miss that middle school piece or you're going to be working really hard to make up for that, that mm-hmm.
1: failure. And is it your organization's position that, college is required or how do you feel about students who choose a life course and say well you know colleges not i know you said two-year degrees so you're kind of a wide definition of college but but what's your view on that well I'll even go beyond two-year degrees because there are certificate programs
2: that are eight or nine months that can get somebody prepared for a well-paying job it may be a fifty thousand or sixty thousand to start job in, a, in heating, ventilation, right, auto trades. Mechanics, a trade. These trades are important. It, it's just that the students get to make that choice. We've made real clear in our evaluation of options and presentation of options to these kids. We're not trying to brainwash them that they've got to go to four year complete a four-year degree and then get a graduate degree, they've got to figure out what's appropriate for them based on what their career interests are, their capabilities and aptitudes, and the grit they have for pursuing it. So it doesn't mean that, but it does mean something beyond high school. At least at this point, high schools are not enough in the in the in the job market of the future to make sure you can support yourself and a family in the ways that they would like to support themselves I and mean, we look at things in middle school about okay here's a car do you know what a car payment is <laughs> you know so we're, <laughs> right. we're looking at payments and just really how much you have to make to live the lifestyle you want so that by ninth grade they're not just thinking i don't want to work that hard they're thinking if i don't work that hard i'm going to be you know living in a yurt you know i'm not going to be able to have a a house or a nice apartment, or you know, I'm going to have a harder time of it. So there's a motivation factor too,
1: right? It's you're going to put the effort in in life to earn a living. You're either going to put it in in advance of needing to earn the living, in my opinion, in which case you get sort of an accelerator in your earnings potential. Other words, college, advanced degrees, uh, trade schools, you know, whatever, or you're going to be working very hard throughout your career because you're going to have to work even harder because your hourly rate is less. And so to have that career, you're going to be putting a lot of energy into that, not only finding those jobs because those jobs are not as plentiful if you're looking for a certain income level or above.
2: Now, we talk to kids, and, and it's not only 7th grade that they're not hearing about careers or ninth grade they're not hearing about clear careers. They're not hearing about careers in 11th grade. They're not even hearing about them often in college. There's, there's no aim. There's no long-term, there's no plan there. And I think that's really something, not just our program, but all of us in education have to make sure that we provide at some point in the program.
1: And I think that's great that you're focused on that, because I think part of, you know, I don't have any scientific research behind this, but I have experience, which is it's strange how people choose the career that they want to go into and who influences them many times it's a teacher my son's in law school right now and i think the reason why he's in law school is that at some level in high school he had an english teacher who basically said with as much as you talk you should be a lawyer and i don't think he ever changed his mind after that i think it's something as simple as that so you never know where the inspiration for living out your potential can come from but i i'm a big believer that if it comes from Exposure to a variety of different ideas, and you get to choose, and other people that you can be comfortable with and be yourself with, your peers, and sharing that knowledge, you can make an informed decision. A lot of kids aren't even exposed to. There are so many cool jobs out there now, Mm -hmm. aren't there? Whether they're technology based or just general based in life. Well, I'm going to make you painfully have
2: to think about middle school again, but for all the listeners too, think about yourself in middle school and what happened in middle school for better or worse everybody you don't have to depend on our research and on our experience here. Just imagine if you had had an opportunity like this like this program if you didn't or even if you were happy with your career you know you it might have you might have learned something else you didn't know about different kinds of careers, different kinds of colleges. A lot of people kind of uh, just f- go with the flow and they end up even if they're successful it's kind of an accident. I'll have to say I didn't really plan on going to the college I went to, but they sent me a uh, a letter after i took one of the tests and said hey
1: you're exactly the kind of student we want And I thought, hey they like they me they me. really
2: really like me right so
1: and and that can make a difference you know i the college i went to i went to because the college i wanted to go to didn't accept me so i had to find somebody else and so literally it was after i got denied from penn state where i wanted to go because i grew up in pennsylvania i ended up choosing the second school and applying and getting accepted i mean i got really lucky i could have spent you know a year Recovering from the fact that I didn't get into the school that I actually believed I would have. You know, it seems to me that Quentin, and I am talking with Quentin Wilson, who is the president and CEO of Career and College Clubs, that middle school may be the time that children go from being wanting to be firemen, policemen, and astronauts to something that is more tangible and maybe more realistic. Not that you can't be, many people do become, but I think as a younger in elementary school, you're going to be president or whatever, and then you start to really. And maybe it's refined through your friends, parents, and what they do, or bringing it into the classroom in a structured way. So let's talk about how your program works at the middle school. And uh, can you give us begin to give us an idea for what type of experiences does your organization, Career and College Clubs, provide for middle school students?
2: Well, for an example, and, and I really would argue they provide it themselves because they even plan these things, but uh, an example. example in seventh grade and in eighth grade, their programs. In seventh grade, the students decide what institution of higher education they'd like to visit and plan the visit, arrange the visit, call the school. Now, they're under the, a little bit of adult supervision with the, with the coach, just like a coach of any Activity, They're kind of guiding them, but they arrange the visit, and so they go visit a, an institution of higher education nearby, and that's a big, momentous activity that's pretty low cost. If you can get the student on a campus, and I remember the first campus I visited, and, and it was in middle school years, and it was a competition I was in. I thought, i got to do this, and I, I just vaguely remember this thing, and it wasn't... A, wasn't an assumption or wasn't a question about whether I was going to go. So that's what the 7th graders do. And in 8th grade, they arrange a visit to an employer. So they go you know, understand wow. what a job is like. In addition, they do a business plan on a venture of some kind. So they're looking at entrepreneurialism. They're not just looking at, at jobs, what creativity and what they might create for themselves. So they're doing this program themselves. I can't overstate how great it is that they're having it's to do all programs. the work. Right. It's like Tom Sawyer, you know, they're paying a nickel to get to p- paint the fence. That's right. uh, It's well, an opportunity, and, and that's, I think, why it works so well.
1: And there are so many great colleges. I'm thinking here in Orange County, you know, it's kind of my focus, Southern California, but really it's in, in Orange County. I mean, we have so many Uh, fine institutions between uci and chapman and fullerton and fullerton college and and go on i mean there's there's an abundance of of field trips that they could organize as well as fantastically interesting employers uh here in in orange county as well that students could select to go to it's that's a great idea right in the orange coast i mean there are lots of community community colleges colleges too too. just really beautiful community
2: colleges and um proprietary schools really you I know mean, they take a lot of uh, take a lot of shots sometimes from people but they're often taking students that are harder to serve and so I I'd right. like to you know especially for the ones that work really hard at it I want to give them some recognition too they're not all uh, what they're made out to be i think by some
1: of the critics well you know uh, our son and our daughter we had them take the psats Mm -hmm. as a prep for the sats they were at uci and so both of our kids got comfortable with in the summer having to go to uci our son actually stayed over uh, one week as a part of the program so he actually lived on campus while he was of that age and i still remember our daughter who's two years younger when we took our son to the campus to check him into the room she looked at the dorm room at uci and she said this is the dorm room she said my room at home is nicer than this and it's like (laughs) yeah that's you know but it's the college experience but i can see how my son ended up going to uci now he applied to other places i don't you know i don't know if it was his first choice or not his first choice but I, i think um being comfortable with the college surroundings and knowing that you can fit in there, community college, vo- take, uh, vocational school, experiencing that early in life, I think sort of gives you a an idea of what the future might be. It takes some of the uncertainty out of those high school years, doesn't it?
2: It does, and these, it, it's amazing because once they've gotten the taste of doing things for themselves, I know it's hard to believe at home if you have middle school students at home, but they take charge of things in in the school setting. I mean, when the, we, we give them that that uh room to run they really run with it and they tell us what they want differently this you know this uh innovation entrepreneurship activity has been an expansion we'd like to get them more into community service and engagement you know understanding the whole community that they're that they're they're growing up in uh that's something new they can learn and and activities like that that they're going to come up with these ideas and we're going to support them as much as we can.
1: We're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Our guest today is Quentin Wilson. He's president and CEO of Career and College Clubs. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about the work that you're doing with middle school students. And I'd like you to think about during the break, Quentin, what type of schools, in your experience, do your programs work the best in? In other words, what what are you looking for based on your experience? Because maybe there are educators out here, and hopefully I can help to expose some educators to the podcast if they didn't listen to us live here on octalkradio.net. So Quentin's going to answer that question and others when we come back here on Critical Mass Radio Show after these words from our commercial sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com.
2: The Orange County Business Journal has ranked Commerce National Bank the 26th fastest-growing public company in Orange County, and they remain a Bauer Financial five-star institution. President and CEO Mark Simmons attributes this success to how well the bank treats its customers and employees. Commerce National Bank simply delivers personal service at a higher level than its competitors, while offering technology on par with the big banks. If your organization could use a new business bank, Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they will handle the rest.
1: Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. And if your company is interested in re- reaching the demographic of business owners and executives, 98% of our audience are business owners and executives. And if your firm would like to reach these top decision makers, then advertising on Critical Mass Radio Show <coughs> excuse me, may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. We delivered over 40,000 sponsor impressions in last month if you'd like to learn more about advertising on critical mass radio show then call our advertising department at 949-887-4104 949-887-4104 all right, returning to our featured guest today, Quentin Wilson, who is president and CEO of Career and College Clubs. Uh, before the break, Quentin, I said uh, I was going to ask you to from your experience, what type of middle school environment does your pro- program really thrive within?
2: I think it really depends on the on the leadership at the school the principals whether it's a, a very low income school or a high performing school as long as the leadership is open open to new ideas because this isn't a typical idea how many programs are there, are there out there that have have the students taking a leadership role in gaining the the level of performance that the schools are holding themself, themselves accountable for every day so the school the, being able to let go being able to you know, trust the data and trust their own eyesight that these, this is really having an impact takes real leadership by the principals. And also in this environment where there's so many other competing needs for for the cost, this is a very low-cost program. But I think in, in, it's really going to require, maybe students won't be effective at it, but parents and the business community, all those who believe in stronger schools to come in and, and encourage the schools to take this take this on because it's a very high impact and it's not going to happen based on a lot of data and information. It's really going to happen by I think people just getting an emotional appeal right. of just seeing what these kids are doing on their own and and knowing that that's what works for their whole lives. More so than just handing something to them. What is the cost? It, the The program costs cost about five thousand dollars per school. Okay. That's for a seventh per year. Okay. For seventh and eighth grades, so okay. we've tried to make it lower cost than any of the other uh, college access programs. We subsidize the cost a lot. That's actually not the cost. Uh, right. The uh, but that's what the cost sharing uh-huh. that we have with the schools. And what do they
1: get? For that five thousand dollars,
2: they get. They get. There's first of all, there's a support site. We have staff that actually support the coaches. You know, because especially at the early, early years of, of rolling these out, there there're gonna be a lot of questions, and we've had to keep a, a staff that is really a, a customer service to the coaches mm-hmm. and to the schools to make sure the program is still on track. We've got a curriculum person who integrates these new ideas that the students and the faculty come up with okay. into the into the agenda to make sure we're we're correlating with what they already, what schools already have to do, because schools have a lot of requirements, as as you know, on core curriculum and other forms of accountability. We're trying to make sure we can show how this program, from their perspective, enhances and reinforces what they're already trying to do. It can't be something they do in addition to all these other
1: things they're required to do. We're showing how it benefits what they're already okay. trying to do. So it complements the core curriculum and the requirements that they have. What would a typical year look like with the type of programs that a school that would be, you know, after their through their first year? What are they instituting? What is it that your program offers? Well, it's a career exposure.
2: It, it, there's a 16-session curriculum that okay. can be uh, can be multiple sessions even within the 16, if there's enough time during the year. But it really requires, especially as schools we're talking, that they get in pretty much by the end of this calendar year, Mm -hmm. so they can really deliver all those things that have been shown to have an impact. And there are about 16 pieces to that, the career exposure, the different types of colleges and higher education institutions you might go to, Uh, and that curriculum is, is the one that I think benefits the schools the most. They're trying to create something that, again, isn't brand new, but reinforces and complements and supports what they're already doing. And you said seventh and eighth grade. Is it for sixth grade? I know some sixth graders have delivered it, but uh sixth grade schools rather have delivered it at that level. But it really was designed more for the seventh grade. At least that's where we were, we researched it. Okay. There's probably no reason that it
1: wouldn't work at a sixth grade level. It's just I want to go with what we've actually researched. Sure, sure. and I, I, maybe not all school districts are this way. When I grew up, uh, uh, middle school. We called it junior high school, right? right? And it was uh, 7th, 8th, and 9th grade, and then high school was 10th, 11th, and 12th. But out here, at least the school districts that I'm familiar with, middle school is 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. Correct. Okay, so 9th grade is sort of you're in high school by the time you get into 9th
2: grade. Right, we're trying to, one of the things we're trying to develop a a curriculum and intervention is some form of bridge to that 9th grade because we want to to make sure that the impact we know we're having through the start of 9th grade continues, Mm -hmm. that it isn't something that just,
1: they forget about with all the hubbub of high school right and they can carry those lessons with them into high school and i think it's such a time of learning about themselves for children to have some level of appreciation for what they might become after the high school experience i, I think it's helpful in life right if you if you know what the end game is when you go in it's you know sort of like strategic planning start right. with the end in mind right Right. And if you have some level of belief that you know where you're going when you get to school you may be less influenced by the areas that you wouldn't your parents wouldn't want you to be influenced by anyway, you know because there's a lot I saw that with our children there is a lot more to offer in high school as far as activities and sports, but there's also a lot more to offer in high school that you don't want your kids involved in right and that's a good point
2: that there are lots of distractions and and other things that even an influential kid might get involved in and influence students in his class- his or her class the wrong way. We want them to be on the right track and if they 're there. You know, you're know, you right, it's going to have a better impact, but look at it the other way. If they don't have that long-term view about why they're doing all this work, how do they even make it through high school? And They right. might physically be there. They might not drop out, but they won't be 100% there, and that's what they really need to be to achieve the future that I think all parents and, and the students themselves would want for themselves.
1: So this is a student-led program. But there is some responsibility on the administration and the faculty, right, for the program. How does that work? Well, there's a coach. We, we
2: try to uh, recruit a coach who's going to lead this effort. And, and the hardest step, really, because educators are trained to deliver it, information and education. One of the most challenging steps is training them to facilitate as opposed to educate, to step back and, and have their, the students actually deliver the education material to the rest of the rest of the club hmm. and then they all deliver it to the rest of the school so that's a big challenge a big opportunity
1: yeah but it must be nice i mean ha- um, i lead peer groups for business owners uh, think tanks round tables, confidential settings i'm responsible for delivering value from the start of the meeting till the end of the meeting but in, in reality most of the value that ends up getting delivered is the cross communications and learning and sharing that happens within the, the meeting i'm just there to kind of keep the trains running on time and not too much get in the way of members helping members with problems and opportunities. And why can't education be just like that? I don't know. Is that a rhetorical question? It's
2: a rhetorical question. I think it would be more fun. I think I'd have had more more fun and and learned
1: more. My wife's a science teacher and I ask her, well, what are you doing today? And they're doing experiments. And the experiment that they're doing today, she's very excited about it. It's a slingshot and different things. And and it's a hands-on working together, participative. And, And I think if you can have a little bit of fun while you're also learning, it's amazing how much you learn without even realizing that you're learning, right? That's right. You, you, know, if you're, the,
2: you mentioned facilitation, and I just think that brings out the power of the group and the power of these middle school groups is just amazing, and we've got to harness it. Or else we're not going to be able to change education like we'd all like to.
1: Yeah, because it does. For those of us that have had children that are now a little bit later in life, maybe teenagers or in their 20s or even 30s or 40s, remember how young your kids were when you first felt like their friends were more influential in their life than we were. And, and in my mind, it was like five years old, six years, I mean, as soon as they get to school, even if it's kindergarten, man, all of a sudden that is a powerful draw that's a counterbalance to what you're in. Up to that point, all, the world rises and sets on mom and dad, right? But once they get into school, the world's it's different. It is, and I think that
2: we don't have to control that. We ought to harness it. And if there's some way to really harness that peer power, I just think it's going to last through... They're certainly not going to have that, and we're not going to have that influence on them when they go to college, when they when they're out in their careers. Although you know, sometimes they ask for help, <laughs> right. but but I, we're not going to have that influence. And we want them to make the right decisions. We want them to have the ability to do that. So I'm not. I don't want to say this program would cure world hunger, okay. but I do think working together, students working together at the earliest age, that we can document the the ability to do that is good. It might make sense to do 6th grade. It might make sense to do earlier.
1: I know that 7th grade is not too late. Right. And I am worried that ninth grade is too late. It sounds like it, and your research backs that up. We're going to take our third and final commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. We're interviewing and talking with Quentin Wilson, who is president and CEO of Career and College Clubs, about his wonderful nonprofit and the work they're doing with peer learning with middle school students. We're going to be back after these brief words from our commercial sponsor. So don't you go anywhere.
3: It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group.
1: Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show, heard live on octalkradio.net, Orange County's radio station, as well as available as podcasts off of a variety of podcasting services, things like iTunes, Stitcher.com. You can find all of the archives for our radio shows on our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com as well. Go to the media section, find the radio show archives, and you can go in there and search for Keywords by company name, guests, industry, a whole variety of different ways to find archives that we've been doing since 2009 here on octalkradio.net. All right, let's return to our featured guest today, and we're so lucky to have him here in the studio, Quentin Wilson, who is president and CEO of Career and College Clubs. We're talking about his nonprofit that is helping middle school students through the power of peer learning, which is a subject that's close and dear to my heart uh, on a a bunch of different levels. Help me to understand... How many students in a given year are involved in your peer learning experiences at the different middle schools that you're working with?
2: When we were developing this program, we got up to about 4,500 in uh, 4,500 students per year as as mentors, and so it's it could be unlimited. I mean, the the fact is there that was only in 200 schools. There are probably 1,200 middle schools in California that need them, and I think we could do a lot a, a lot better than that. A lot bigger than that there, there's such a growth opportunity but uh over the life of the program we've had about 15,000 students reached by this by this program and pretty directly reached we've uh, also had some impact on the
1: rest of the classmates but uh it's a little hard to, to measure that, a little harder to measure that impact. There is nothing, I, well, I, I say this from my perspective, and maybe others share it, but as a parent, there's nothing that's more enjoyable than to watch your child get really involved in something that they enjoy, you know? And they're good at it, take a leadership role. I mean, everyone wants their children, I think. Most people want their children to find their space and to be comfortable in their own skin right? And I think peer learning has a real opportunity because there's somebody out, there's groups out there for everybody. And if you can create a group that's a positive, forward-looking, healthy environment, and your child is either a leader in it or is a peer of it and getting a lot of value and identification from it, I think that's what happens. Now that I think about it, I think that's a challenge in middle school. They're trying to find their identity and they're sort of open to suggestion. And some of that suggestion may not be in their best interest you know they may identify with the wrong kind of kids or do the wrong things to lash out because they're really not sure who they are yet in middle school so surrounding them in this kind of environment sounds like a great way to help them
2: well it's hard to say who's responsible for the growth of the children i mean there's a lot of finger pointing that goes on between education and parents and the fact is it's too big of a job for either one by themselves they've got to they've got to join together but more importantly they got to harness the power of their own children because the the only thing that is really going to work we know this just common sense tells us is if those students take the bit in their and really run with it mm-hmm. and if they do that it's an amazing result it's, it's just going to be more than we could do if we had the best schools in the world if we had all perfect parents It's more than we could do. But parents working with schools, I think, is reflected in this program. And let let the students grow. Let them develop. This is a time, and it's hard to let go. But let them try this. And we have seen such, there was one, one school had a presentation, kind of a college night. Here's the, here are the different kinds of colleges they presented to the other students and, and the parents. And there was one, more than one, but it happened to be one example of a parent who just was all getting choked up, so proud of their child, their student being able to stand up in front of a, a, a group and present their daughter who was the shyest right. most uh, introvert, I mean it's influential, had the capability, was you know, had a mind the mind clicking, wasn't necessarily the the best student in the whole school, uh or the most outgoing, but was a real potential leader and when that parent saying that it changed the relationship between the parent and the child. It's not like we're responsible
1: for for that relationship, but I think we can help. I know you can, it sounds like. And, and the peer learning aspect, the as I say, the power of peer learning can, can really help in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm so excited that your organization is focused on that. You know, I um, we talk to our members, business owners, about the idea of having an engaged workforce. And I think it's one of the best competitive differentiations a company can have because it's the hardest thing to copy. For a competitor, a truly engaged—and when I say engaged workforce, what we mean in our in my practice is that you have people that give discretionary effort on behalf of the business, not because they're getting a financial incentive or there's a risk of you know being penalized. They do it because they they want to do it. It's sort of like thinking like an owner, right? And the research also shows that. To have an engaged workforce, you don't need 100%. Matter of fact, you just need 60% of your employees to be truly engaged to have an engaged workforce because the other 40% sort of, you may never get some people, and 60% is the tipping point, right? And I'm thinking your program helps to build an engaged workforce in the student body. You know, they're rarely engaged in something that is their own, that they have ownership around, but yet... You've also given them the constructs that you know long-term it's going to pay dividends for them that they may not even realize in 8th grade or 7th grade that that's going to be the outcome, but you guys know through the research and the way you structure structured the programs.
2: Well, I'm hopeful, and we're trying to find ways to measure, that there are fewer dropouts. There are more kids going to colleges, maybe going to colleges that were tougher to get into than they thought they could ever make because they were prepared. We may not get the credit for what we've done, but it really doesn't matter if the culture starts to change. I'm pretty sure that the program won't won't need us after several years because
1: the culture of that school will change, and it'll be hard stopping them. So we have about three minutes left, Quentin, and I wanted to just ask you... The future of the program you you're speaking to business owners and executives. I do the nonprofit show in hopes that sometimes some of the listeners will get connected emotionally or intellectually to the causes of the nonprofit organization that's here talking about their their mission. so what do you see the future and what help do you need from the business community or well, from the business community from
2: parents even from students? we need people to encourage the schools to make that investment Make the, to realize that this is something while it's different and it's new and it's unusual it's something highly impactful with lots of evidence and we we don't want we don't want people necessarily to just fund it although i'm sure the schools would appreciate it if somebody uh, paid for part of the cost the schools have to come from come up with but we really just want the community to understand it and to tell the schools that they back them up in in undertaking this new activity, because I that's one thing we saw it connects the schools to the communities partly because of this parental student connection it forges better than any program we've seen and that wasn't our original plan we didn't say I know how we can get parents and communities and students all working together better it just worked out that way I think we it's almost like the wildcatter you know drilling into drilling uh, holes and suddenly we you strike oil. I really feel like this is something that's beyond our our ability to take credit for or
1: or be able to cite how it worked. It's just doing a whole lot for a whole lot of people. Well, I am so excited about your organization because I am convinced to my core that, of, about the power of peer learning and what it does for adults in a business setting because I see it every day in the work that I do with business leaders who are many times type A, hard-charging, Leaders at the top who are willing in the right setting to become open and influenced by people who are just like them running different companies. And I, and I see what a positive influence that has on their life. And I can only imagine the good work that your organization has been doing and will continue to do. So thank you. If someone would like to learn more about your organization online, how do they do that, Clinton? Well, the best way is just go to
2: www.careerandcollegeclubs.org. Uh, you'll be able to find... the Information about our program, uh, the different aspects of it, download the materials. Uh, if there's a school, you know, there's a way to get to contact us and follow up. We've just opened a new support site for schools. My email is qwilson at dot alllmc.org
1: if you'd like to contact me directly. Well, I am so glad that you came to our attention that you were willing to come down from Los Angeles. Right? Correct. Yeah. By the airport. Thank you very much for making that drive in Orange County and L.A. traffic in the afternoon here uh, on a weekday. And uh, you have my commitment that I'm going to take this message back directly into my family with my wife, because she's a teacher, and in our community. And I'm going to be talking about this radio show to my audience so that hopefully they'll listen to it as a podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it, Rick. It's been great. All right, and that was Quentin Wilson, who is president and CEO of Career and College Clubs, doing great work with the power of peer learning with middle school students. I'd like to thank our engineer today, Paul Roberts, and our producer, Rachel Franzi, as well as Kelly Faltis, who is our marketing communications manager, and Kathleen Shepard, our guest coordinator. This is your host, Rick Franzi. And I'd like to just say until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your organization in a positive direction.
0: You've been listening to Critical Mass, the nonprofit show. right here in Orange County's only community
2: radio station, OC talk radio dot net.